business owners likely will have only one shot to sell a business. Most don't understand what drives value and how buyers look at a business. Until now. Welcome to the How to Sell a Business podcast, where every week we talk to the subject matter experts, advisors, and those around the deal table about how to sell at maximum value. Every business will go to sell one day. It's only a matter of when. We're glad you're here. The podcast starts now. I recently was reading an article in one of our business valuation trade magazines, and it was by uh, Trish Trish Garthhofner. um, And she was writing about Bitcoin and 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 cyber or not cyber but uh crypto and 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 mining companies and their valuation and and i was it's one of those things where you see a practitioner that is at the forefront of of an industry and this is going you know this isn't going away so I contacted her and, and we, we originally tried to, to start recording and I had a, a number of questions and she said, you know, I have a colleague, um, his name's Nanish Shaw and he participated in, in helping me with, with the article. So I think it would be best if we get him on the line. So we rescheduled the podcast. And so this is about, about Bitcoin, Bitcoin mining, and the valuation. And I will be the first person to tell you that I have absolutely no idea, um, or at least I didn't have an idea of how the mechanics of a business like this would work. Because, you know, from where I come from, you know, we're business valuations based on earnings, growth, and risk. And when you start combining all of that with Bitcoin, oh my goodness, the moving parts are just really would give me such, um, I don't want to say anxiety, but it's, it's really hard for a practitioner to be, to offer a, an, an opinion that sound with that many moving parts. So let me tell you a little bit about who we're talking to today. So Nanish Shah, complete valuations out of New York. He's a, He's a finance professional that specializes in business valuations. His expertise lies in innovative business valuation techniques, which are which include the renowned subscription-based Apple valuation and unique some of the parts model for Amazon. And he delivered. Boy, oh boy, did he deliver when we when we spoke earlier today. And next is, uh, like I said, Trish Garth Garthhofner. She is the founder and president of Anchor Business Valuations. Anchor is focused on business valuations for private and public companies between fifty thousand and a hundred million dollars in in gross revenue. And she does all kinds of business valuations, you know, from estate and gift litigation sale merger fair value and things like that so this this um podcast was was one that stretched uh, stretched me a lot because i again i i i want the audience i want you to know you know when we're done that you got something out of it and it just wasn't me just trying to keep up with these guys but they were so gracious with their time and really explained you know, just the mechanics of how this industry works, 
how the business works, how to value it, and then what it looks like here in the future. So I hope you enjoy my conversation with Nanish Shaw and Trish Garth Hoffner as we talk about Bitcoin and the sale of Bitcoin mining companies. Well, welcome to the show, Trish and Nanesh. How are you? Great. Thank you for having us. Well, I've been looking forward to this for since you got on the calendar and 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 I in preparation uh it's a little it's a little daunting the topic we're going to talk about which is which is which is crypto and and so I guess where I'd like to first start is I I gave some limited introduction um before you came on but now I guess from a high level can you talk about each of your respective practices you know from in in because I know you guys do more than just crypto, right? Yes, yes, exactly. So I'll start off, Nainish. Um, I met Nainish actually through the National Association of Certified Valuators and Analysts, which is an association that we're certified through, or at least one of them that we are, um, as business valuation experts. And I, my practice is Anchor Business Valuations and Financial Services. I started it about 10 years ago. Worked on Wall Street for a number of years as a financial analyst. And then when I moved outside of Manhattan, got into doing private company Main Street valuations. Um, I also do a little bit of M&A as well, working with the small business owners, helping them through the process. Did litigation for a number of years, but I, I stopped doing litigation as of about six months ago. Try to keep that to bare minimum, just closing up cases, work as a neutral work as collaboratively and cooperatively as possible. Um, got a lot of great experience from working in the courtroom, but not really something I wanted to do ongoing. So for the most part now, I do all types of different valuations um, for state and trust, purchase price allocations so of fair value, I'll work as a neutral on divorce matters and for shareholder dispute. And I also do quality of earnings and a little bit, like I said, of, of nice. helping my, my clients go through a sale of a business. Nice. That is? Yeah, and me, I think we, we, I have a very similar background as Trish. Uh, I come from Wall Street. I was a portfolio manager for 25 years, analyzing public market, public equity of all different types of industries. Uh, and uh, we both come from a little bit of a different background. We come from finance rather than accounting, which is mm -hmm. typically what you see in the uh, valuation work. And so, uh, Right now, uh, my company, Public Advisor, we, we've been in business for uh, five plus years, and we majorly for our work is connected with trust and state. But then we also do M and A, uh, so we do we, we have a smaller business to understand the value that they have in that business, and then then they can go and sell in the land. Yeah, nice. Well, I ran I ran into you both when you guys had authored an article um about crypto and and i i hadn't given it any thought that there is even a market for this you know and and you guys were kind enough to come on and talk about that so that's where i i think where where i'd like to begin is is how did you get invo involved in this particular sector and 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 then i guess we're going I want to talk a little bit about the valuation and, and the mechanics of how this whole thing works. So e either it's a loaded question. So either one of you. 
<laughs> I'll start off, Nainish. Um, <laughs> a little over a year ago, I received an inquiry. A lot of the business that I obtain is through word of mouth. And so one of my referral sources had referred me into a client that owns a relatively large cryptocurrency mining company. And he needed to obtain valuations for several of his entities for contractual purposes. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, I was very surprised, honestly, to know that in a, a smaller area of the United States that there was a business of this sort. But I, we just, I became fascinated with the sector, reached out to Nainish, was picking his brain about the industry and come to find out that he has a lot of knowledge on the investing side and on cryptocurrency side in terms of just already in existence the knowledge base that he had. So I asked him if he wanted to team up and he teamed up with me. And, and that's, I think, how we got the ball rolling and, and really getting enmeshed in the sector. And it's taken off from there. Okay. Yeah. And, and my involvement. So I mentioned about my portfolio management work. And one of the big things that we were doing back then is uh, try to understand change that happens around us, particularly with the technological change or business process or something, something similar. So one of the change back in 2011, 2012, that I was noticing about uh, introduction of Bitcoin. So just to just to grasp what's going on, I invested. So my friends hate me, hate me for that, uh, but my interest was to understand what uh, what is going on with this new idea of currency. Uh, so by investing your own money, you keep in touch with what the change happening. Uh, and uh, that's what kept me into it. And that's why Trish and I went, got together about this project. It became quite easy because I knew what was going on. All right. And the the thing, like for, for a lot of people that listen to this podcast are, are fascinated by the different industries. And I, I think from a... From a high level, can you talk about just the mechanics of, of this cryptocurrency and the mining? You know, just, just from a high level, um, for my own benefit too. I mean, I, I know, you know, everybody hears about it. Everybody, you know, they see it on, on the television, but I'm not certain everybody understands what, what all this means. It's just, you know, it's a currency that's trading. You know, that goes up and down and, you know, the sky's falling when it's crashing and boy, you wish you owned more of it when it's going up. So can you talk a little bit of, uh, about, you know, just the mechanics of, of how it works? Yeah, I'm starting with Chris, you can. Uh, the idea originated with this white paper written by, with a pseudonym, some Japanese pseudonym uh, about blockchain and then uh, currency that can reside uh, on that blockchain. And blockchain is nothing but a ledger uh, that uh, is confirmed by public computers. Okay. Uh, and so that's that's something called node. There's a network of node and the blockchain resides on that. So every transaction that happens on blockchain is known. Like, although it's not known by individual person, but known by the number. And so that's the component of blockchain. Bitcoin is the application on top of blockchain. Uh, and then the mining is connected with who is confirming the blocks that can go on the blockchain. 
and the mine that every time you mine a mine a block, uh, there is a, a compensation that you that is received, and that's where the business. So define what mining means. I mean, I I, I understand the 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 coins and the tokens and the nodes, but but we keep on hearing about mining and the power it takes to mine. I mean, help me. Yeah, so there is there is an algorithm that means for for someone to every so often bunch of transaction that happens in let's just stick with Bitcoin for now. Bunch of transaction that happens in the Bitcoin space needs to be confirmed. And the confirmation happens uh, by solving the algorithm. Whoever solves the algorithm first gets the money or compensation for solving the algorithm. And once it's uh, solved, it connects with the previous block and the blockchain continues. So that's the, it's, it's not mining in any conventional sense, it's the mining of figuring out who's getting the block confirmed. Okay. Am I making myself no, 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 I, I, no. I was, I was wondering whether. Yeah, I saw Trish a couple times. You know, uh, had something to say, and I was just curious. Did, did you good? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I was just going to concur with what Ninish is saying. It, it, that's referred to as proof of work. So yeah. these nodes, computers, basically are continually creating the uh, trying to solve this algorithm um and okay. it's called hashing they're 64 digits long um and then after a period of time just based upon the odds of whether or not it will happen or won't happen sure. it, it will come about that the um, miner will receive bitcoin okay and so and then the so the mining company is competing to solve the algorithm and the miner then takes a portion i mean how how what is the what what are the financial mechanics of the miner yeah so they're either it's similar to like a trading desk so um in in my opinion okay. uh, but it, it would be like you're either a proprietary trading desk where you're tr you are mining for yourself or you have services where you're mining for other individuals as well and then you take a, a percentage. Okay. Um, so yeah, and it'll, it, they'll keep it. They'll keep it on the ledger. They'll either keep it on uh, cold storage, which is offline, or they'll keep it and online. Um, they'll have it in a wallet. Uh, so sure. however the Bitcoin is is obtained and, and then retained, and then they'll keep it for a period of time until they want to use it or convert it. Okay. So, so so in a way, if you think about it, um, if it is a, a gold or silver metal that you're trying to mine. You extract it, you, you hold it, and then you sell it at certain time. Right. Depending on what you think about condition, market condition at that moment. So why is why isn't everybody running to be miners? I mean what what does it take to be a miner? Oh I'll I'll start off with that. Yeah. <laughs> The barrier to entry is is it's cost prohibitive, so it's it's okay. extremely expensive to get up and running, to have the computer software, to have the actual equipment, to have the space, to have all the um, all of the the mechanisms in place that would allow for the best profits. A lot of times that might include con contracts with 
electric companies because this proof of work, the mining just again, sticking with Bitcoin, for example, um, it, it's very costly because of the energy that's expended for the mathematical algorithms that are taking place over that time period. Um, the one thing that I did want to- There are thousands of, the human computing power because of algorithms that are difficult to research or solve. So you need huge computing power and you, know, you can think in terms of data centers. So you need a huge data center. Now it. it's using a lot of energy and okay. People in the past have chosen to uh, keep these mining uh, miners or devices uh, in a location where energy is inexpensive or cheaper, but then it comes uh -huh. to the problem. So, for example, and this uh, our precious client kind of mentioned is say China. China has a cheaper energy consumption uh, energy cost, but then you don't have the same security about the regulation suddenly one day they can say you can you know stop mining and that's that i got it right okay so yeah. so so the miner it, it, this is really about computing power and 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 literally energy that exactly. dictates a miner so so the guy that's like look i'll, I'll be a miner and i'm going to run this thing off my laptop that that that's just yeah that doesn't work. i have friends that have tried to do that Really? Um, but then they ultimately end up outsourcing it. I was going to say, because it would seem as though that every it's a big land grab right now, you know, to, to be a miner or, or is that, that not true? There there's, you know, it's the internet, it's infinite. You can, anybody can be a miner or no. Well, it depends on what, so I'll start off with respect to the yeah. Bitcoin and the limitation. So Bitcoin, there's, there's a cap and there are, 21,000, I think. In, oh, million. Oh, million, and they're oh, at yeah. million, so it's at 85%. Um, so, but that even in itself isn't supposed to be fully mined until 2100 or 2140 or something like that. So, it's, it. but it's nearing 100% in terms of being mined by 2040. Um, but I think that in terms of the, the, the land grab, I think it's the barrier to entry with the cost, so it's cost prohibitive. Um, the Bitcoin, as I would say, I mean, I guess you could disagree with me, but I would say that's the safest. Um, yep. Yeah. yeah, in terms of mining, and um, there's there's a cap on it. There's a limitation. Yeah. So I get it. Uh, the thing about this uh, ad is, um, if you have a regular business. You're getting cash, right? You, you, you sell a product, you sell a service, you get money. And then you use that money to spend for expenses that you incur to, to generate that money. In case of mining, there's no real cash coming to you. What comes to you is this currency. Sure. Or digital currency. That somehow you need to sell in the marketplace. And the marketplace is what I mean. I think that's what one of the yeah. questions you want to have is how do you really, you know, yeah. handle that? But yes. Yeah, that that was coming. Is that okay? I I make my you and I. Yeah, I'm. What I was getting at is that that you know the time. You know, I buy something for a thousand dollars, right? And by the time you and I do a transaction, it comes to me, and that that thousand dollars made the delta between now and then. I it either may be substantially higher or substantially lower, or stayed even. 
which, yeah, I mean, to, to me, is, is, I think the fascinating thing about the whole process is that, you know, and, and again, I, I think it's the, it's the purchasing power. Like if I have a dollar, I mean, you know, you have inflation and so on and so forth with Bitcoin, you know, I think it, I think it's somewhat similar. It's just that there's just so many more moving parts and the volatility of the currency, right? Or, or am I missing that? Is that that good way to say it? Okay. Uh, Yeah. yeah. Uh, It's a, it's a unique business because Mm -hmm. of the wallet. Yeah. Uh, and, and so, yeah, go on. No, no. So where, where I was heading is, all right, let's, I, let's talk about valuation. All right. So, so. Well, cryptocurrency, first of all, was put into place to as like um, um, an op, in opposition to inflation. So that's why, yeah. they, you know, like with the U.S., we have quantitative easing so we can create money and churn it out and our debt is through the roof. Right, know, right, right. What we do, right. And mm-hmm. so I, I think with, with um, Satoshi Nakamoto, who wrote uh, Nakamoto, who wrote the um, the blockchain paper in 2008, I mean, his whole um, motive was to be to counteract the um, yeah. impediments of what they refer to as fiat currency or fiat right. currency, which is currency that is not um, secured by any underlying asset. Right. So it is supposed to be. A hedge against that, if not to take over eventually. So, yeah, and 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 to have all the checks and balances at at, at a moment's notice that you you know we're always in balance, you know, mm-hmm. and 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 to me that's probably the most powerful the the most powerful thing was that you know as a and you guys too, I mean, you know the 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 reliance on good numbers is always great. <laughs> You know, being able to being able to uh, to know what you're looking at is is true and accurate is 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 key. But 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 that takes me to the valuation. And again, you have so many moving parts there. I mean, as appraisers, we we kind of have a I'm assuming the mechanics are the same, but I don't know that. So can you talk a little bit about, you know, some of the, the factors that you guys looked at or look at when you're valuing like a mining business? Sure. You want to start, Nainish? Sure. Um, you can always go back to the basics of in terms of valuing a company. The basics are simple. There are three laws. There are ways one should think about valuing a company. and think about asset value, asset approach, mm-hmm. market approach, and income approach. In this case, you can add one more way to think about valuation is the network. We're trying to, and I'll start with the last one, which is we're trying to identify, identify what is the value of the total network mm. that's, uh, that's producing this currency. And can you identify the share of, of that network that your business represents? That can be a way to think about value. That's interesting. Sure. If you go back to the asset approach, it's the, you know you have the um, hardware and the, the data center or the location, um, and then maybe you can value the agreements that you might have with data. Mm-hmm. But the problem with asset approach is if you are not capturing the intellectual yeah. uh, value. Of it. Uh, market approach is better. Uh, you can 
there are because there are public companies that you can compare your business with their public uh, cryptocurrency mining with it. Oh really? I didn't I didn't know that. Yeah, there, there are there are three, four of them that you can um Okay. Uh, yeah, and so that that you can use and there are, it's hard to so the but the flip side of uh, the trouble with that is there are not many transactions that happen. So market approaches are not that uh right. clean. And then income approach uh, you want to touch on that. Basically you're looking at the future income. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Trish, do you want to cover the income approach and then I can Oh yeah, sure. I mean, I wanted to note too with the market approach, the issue being more than not is the size comparison. So right. there's just such a discrepancy that it's hard to compare apples to apples. It's sure. Completely, yeah, it's comparing apples to oranges a lot of times. So um, the income approach, you're going to look at. It's hard to predict the future, obviously. So right. especially for a mining company, um, as of the if it was a holding company. Uh, I would say even the asset approach would be the best, um, depending on you, you know whether or not they're doing services for investing for others. Well, you would want to potentially look at any kind of cash flow that's revenue that is generated from um, services that they provide to client base. But for the income approach, I think for the one that we did, I think we might have did we did a DCF and we did a capitalization of earnings to kind of compare the two, which means we looked at historical and we looked at future. A lot of close conversations with the with the um, the owner operator um, in terms of what he has done historically. So being a newer business, it makes it even an added layer of sure. complexity because right. we don't have that um, historical data to look at. So if there's a concentration on the cryptocurrency, you can look at different databases that have the research out there that show like the technical analysis or and the fundamental analysis for that that asset and be able to to predict when, for example, like Bitcoin, when the next halving might occur. Um, and then talk to the owner in terms of what is their strategy that they have in place for exiting the market. Um, you want to you want to avoid the um, the the uh, buy high, sell low mantra that seems right. to be place in, in a lot of everyday traders um and they have they have um, a similar kind of of mantra that takes place in in um in cryptocurrency like with the meme stocks and um sure pump and crash is what they refer to it as so you know you want to make sure that you're you're um that you're looking at the strategies that the owner has used historically and what they expect to use into the future so you're working very closely as you would with any other type of valuation but even more so because it's a newer industry that hasn't had that, you know, footprint in place too long. Well, the other component of this, so, so, and you touched on this earlier, uh, it's hugely volatile. That's a challenge for valuation work. Right. And there are a lot of risks that you don't see in conventional industries. So that needs to be somehow, somehow be reflected on the valuation. And the way to do, do that, one way to do, do that is to um, adjust your discount rate accordingly. So you create a DCF, but then you need a, a rate at which you more discount that future cash flow. And that you, you increase because of the risk connected with all this. Uh, yeah. That mm -hmm. Well, <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's funny because 
when you know when you're creating your forecast you know and and yeah, and even the discount rate to uh, you you alluded to the 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 DCF. I'm sitting here going, "Oh my gosh, how are you possibly getting to to a point where you have confidence in that forecast and you've quantified that risk in that discount rate?" Because just because and I mean it's not being critical. It's 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 one of those things of I mean your opinion is probably as good, you know, is probably better than most, but, but it's still, there's so many moving parts that are going on. So I, so that's kind of where I'm, where I'm going is I think it, it's even, you know, the difference in business valuation. I'm just kind of curious to, to know there's a, there's another layer to the valuation that you're doing. (laughs) You know, it's a lot of sensitivity analysis, too. So I think one thing that we didn't realize prior to going in is that we didn't necessarily price it accurately. (laughs) Yeah, you mean the work that you did? Yeah, Yeah. we've all paid paid that tuition. (laughs) It was a gift to be able to work on that one. I really felt honored, but. Um, at the end of the day, we would think we would be rounding the corner of finishing up a draft and then we would think about something right. else. Right. Taking into consideration. Right. Another, you know, CapEx when you need to switch out the, the um, mining equipment at a certain point and halving occurs and then the, the uh, you know, the mining slows down and then you need to have more energy, you know, taking all those things into consideration. It was. I mean, very, very. How long, how long car client is going to keep these coins? And, you know, when are, when, what is their uh, buying and uh, what is their selling strategy? So that all has to be captured in, in your evaluation. Right. Right. And, and right. on top of that, I was, I was thinking about, oh my gosh, what happens about a fractional interest valuation in this type of business? I mean, because, you know, depending on who, who that valuation is for, that could be a real, you know, the, the, you know, the intellectual, you know, perhaps the, the person that's driving the business and has all the, the industry knowledge. That's the person that's wanting to be bought out. You know, my goodness, what is the risk now to that business? So, so there's, there's a couple additional layers that I, I, I don't envy your position. Oh my goodness. Yeah, we and we talked about uh, alternative way of thinking about this valuation. Inflation, I talked about. Can we bring optionality or option valuation? Yeah. Oh sure. Inflation and see if that helps. Uh, oh yeah. But sometimes, and because this is a new industry and not many, not easy, uh, not many transaction that happens. Simplicity can add, add value as well. You know, you, you don't want to make too complex because any, sure. and in the end, it's all your estimate. Yeah, and then that's where that was my follow up question was, you know, who who challenges you on on this? Because because my I mean, it is so new. And and I guess, you know, if you can follow, you know, it's the same same thing in the profession, regardless, you know, if you can follow the appraisers thoughts and and how they came to the conclusion, Mm -hmm. it's their opinion. But I I just uh it's a hard to challenge. Once you come up with a valuation, you yeah. put in enough effort, and you you have covered all all the angles. Yeah, it's uh, well, 
It reminds me, yeah, it reminds me of dispensaries when they first came out. You know, figuring oh, out sure. taxation, figuring out like I the um, security of you know the nefarious activity with them. You know, no, no. licensure, uh, just being a new sector, just tweaking that out along the way. So you just have to abide by your standards. You know, of no, no. your. Of your yeah. Yeah. And, uh, one thing common between cannabis and this is there's a regulation connection, right? Government regulation. How is it going to impact the business? Right. Yeah. yeah. And and again, I mean that. And it's nice that you bring up dispensaries, but you know one of the things that that we bump into is you know who's the mar- who who is going to be able to buy these type of companies. You know, because, you know, it's not, it's not a, it's not a financeable business from a conventional standpoint. So you got to go private equity. So who companies too. Yeah. They're buying up a lot of the smaller ones, smaller, successful mining companies in particular. That's what I mean. So, so, so the, the public companies you said. Yeah. Yeah. So, so they're picking, picking them up. So, so you're getting, you're starting to get some market data to to give you a good proxy for value. So that's yeah, yeah sure, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, totally, totally. Uh, yeah. Uh, there are you know three, four public, large public companies that you can look look after and see uh, what transactions they're making. So then the then the question becomes, you know, is that fair market value or is that strategic value? And now you now you have the the whole the whole new matter of that challenge but i but again i think that it's um yeah i i think like when the cannabis related businesses i there is so i mean again another big land grab i mean there is only a handful of people that that understand that that the value of that and are immersed in it. So, mm-hmm. so again, I applaud you guys for, for, for the, the, this whole, for the whole crypto thing, but I shouldn't say the thing, the, the whole crypto industry. One, one of the things that Nanish uh, One thing just I want to add is it is, it will be more and more required and necessary to run these businesses because mm-hmm. you will need some, you know, Tax plan. You will need. You will have a, a partnership dispute. You will have a divorce uh, issue. Sure. And you need. You will have to value. It's not a small industry. It's a lot, pretty decent size industry. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Speaking of, I mean, how big is the industry? It's yeah. a good question. Yeah, um, um, Billion. Think, think in terms of the size of the market cap of individual currency, right? So okay. I, I have a web page on, and I can. I can look up current market cap for um, different type of uh, Bitcoin is about 520 billion in size. Okay. That's the largest. Okay. Then the next largest is Ethereum, which is about 218. And then uh, the second, third largest is uh, Theta, which is okay. about 82 uh, billion in size. So let's just stay with that. Yeah. So let's, let's just you know round it up about a trillion dollar in coin size. Okay. The trouble with the size of the industry is it's so fragmented right. by country. I mean, you have a, you know, wow. a lot of players in yeah. Europe, you have a lot of players in China, yeah. you have a lot of players in the US, and then the rest of the world. And so so you it's very hard to gather data to really grasp 
That a large space industry. Yeah, uh, but there, uh, there's a, a, a public company called uh, Riot Blockchain. That's about two point three billion in market cap as of last week, and HUT, HUT, which is about five hundred million in market. So you have some sense about. It. Well, I'm I'm embarrassed. I'm, I'm sitting here thinking domestically, and 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 which, you know, and until you started talking about, you know, just the whole international ramifications, I, I it didn't even cross my mind. I'm, and that, and I think that's I'm probably like many that think that's thinking that you know this Bitcoin is just a U.S. thing, and, and it's, it's not. It's, it's absolutely not. not. It's probably much larger outside of the U.S. Right. than the U.S. Uh, and yeah. yeah. Um, one of the yeah, things part of Satoshi's um, uh, implementation or intention too was to have banking available right. to all. Yeah, well, that's that's what I was what I was embarrassingly sharing that you know mm-hmm. I'm I'm thinking it it is you know I knew that this was a worldwide thing, but for the most part, it's just how does this affect me? And that's probably the wrong way to be looking at it. So. <laughs> during, sorry, during COVID, it became way more uh, widespread than it was before COVID. And, you know, there are millions of people who own some kind of crypto. Yeah. And that kind of tells you the size can be pretty large. Yeah. So, Nanesh, you had, um, you had mentioned something called um, the network value. And I'm, I'm, I, I just I want to poke at that a little bit. A little bit more because I, I do think, you know, the the three approaches to value will always be there. But I'm I'm curious to 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 see if you can talk a little bit more about that. Yeah, I would I would you know the, the numbers I shared with you about size of the Bitcoin, uh, the value of Bitcoin in the market. So let's the market cap of Bitcoin. Yep. 520 or 521 billion, right? Yep. That's the beginning of thinking about the network value of Bitcoin. Uh, now, if you are a miner and you are producing or mining multiple type of coins and multiple type of tokens, you would have to figure out the percentage of each and then start understanding uh, yeah. what, what are you capturing from that network. I understand. But this is just a start. This is just an idea that I kind of shared with you. But that's uh, that's how we should be, one should be thinking about. And let's say there are right now there are about seventeen thousand or so nodes in in, in uh, for Bitcoin blockchain. And then you figure out how many nodes you have, and that becomes your percentage. And then you can kind of start thinking from that perspective. I got it. Well, thank you, thank you for for that. So, where yeah, it's crystal ball time. <laughs> so, so where where is this industry heading? And yeah, whichever one wants to, the, come on in. The, the water's fine. Way clearer crystal ball than I do. So I will. I'll I'll start off. Um, I think it's heading in, into more um, omnipresent. Uh, type uh, situation where it's going to become more commonplace with the more everyday investors and and being less of a niche investment. Um, I think especially now 
with all of the talks of the debt ceiling and inflation and the market being as crazy as it's been in, in terms of unpredictability and, and erratic, um, this is uh, not being, not having, not offering any financial advice here, but I do see cryptocurrency as being more of a hedge that is being used more often as of late. <laughs> Okay. Especially with the public companies, transparency, the security of certain cryptocurrencies. Like there are approximately 20,000 different types of cryptocurrencies, but there are a handful that are especially safe that are um, have the verification that are hard to hack, such as Bitcoin. Um, and I think that those are going to continue to um, flourish and ether and especially with the fall of ftx in in november uh bitcoin i think fell around fifteen thousand or fifteen five or something and it's at, it's at 26 today so you know it's it's got a good rebound there it's got staying power you're seeing a lot companies such as bmw um, morgan stanley goldman sachs telecommunications companies, all types of different businesses. Facebook came out with their own cryptocurrency, which is actually banned in France and Germany. But um, <laughs> just thinking back again to the, or to hearkening back to the regulations and keeping those in consideration, depending upon the geographic region that they're within. Uh, but I do think that it's it's going to continue to thrive and continue to to become pop, more and more popular. Right. How would you say, Dinesh? So I'll give you my perspective. So. There is a real application. There are real applications. There is a real benefit that cryptocurrency and tokens have. And the question then is, how do it? How does it become reality? More so than it is now. And where does the government regulation come into? Uh, and the government wants to lose control on their own economy. So can't assume that. US is going to just let uh, Bitcoin become a currency, mm. or any any country for that matter, except except this, uh, that uh, except one country. Uh, and so you have to you have to figure out um, whether it can become a real currency, or it just stays in form of applications that can benefit other mm. economy. That's it's not going away. That I can guarantee you that. So. So why can you guarantee that? I mean, and not you know, it's not a gotcha yeah, no, question. It's just I, like, I will, yeah. So just think think about currency transfer. Okay. One of the biggest advantage of crypto is uh, there's no you don't need a middleman. Right. Okay. So for currency transfer, the middleman is the bank. It takes yeah. Uh, yeah. days, it takes six or seven percentage. If it is a small transaction, even more. Why do you need to pay that? So the, the smaller financial technology company will figure out the best way to, and it's happening now. There are a lot of good applications like uh, you can transfer money instantaneously, cost is low. I got it. Uh, so okay. it, I that's it. the real application. Now, it, it's not going to, you know, if crypto can capture that, then it has a staying power. I got it. No, that's another, another component that uh, Trish, you mentioned. Just, let's just stay with Bitcoin. 
is a limitation of how many bitcoins can be ultimately produced. And that stops, that manages the value, meaning no more bitcoins. Like there's a, if the network increases in size, the value has to go up. I get it. Yeah. Trish, you started to say something? Or are you good? Um, I was going to note something, and I don't remember what it is. It now slipped my mind. That's all, all right. right. It'll probably come back. <laughs> well, circle back. I'm I'm ready for it. So the the thing that um, I think one of the the biggest things that I that I see is the government's involvement. You know, the taxation and and just their their hands in in this. And and I'm and I'm wondering if is regulatory having a regulatory oversight a good thing or a bad thing for for this type of industry? So, Ed, I'll let Ninish jump in on that, but I wanted to I wanted to uh, mention what had slipped my mind that came oh, back to me, which is really interesting too. Which is it, it answers more supplementarily the question that you had with respect to what is the future of, of cryptocurrency. Um, the blockchain, I think, also has is going to become more and more prevalent in our day to day lives. I went to a luncheon a couple of weeks ago, investor luncheon, luncheon, and it's a telecommunication or a, a, a telecommunications company. They also do they do like uh, television broadcasting, gaming, that type of thing. They they literally have sports teams that. Had, they sell the, the virtual swag. They sell the um, oh. all types of different parts to the sports teams okay. in particular, and it's all on the blockchain. It's all virtual. I nice. mean, it is so surreal. They have this huge following, though, and it carves out like a nice percentage of their sales, and it's just amazing. And the nice. more that you follow cryptocurrency, the more you'll start to hear about this unregulated um, new internet is what basically okay. they refer to it as it's coming out, which will have all of these different um, accessibilities that we don't have currently. No advertising, no um, oversight, um, just a really new and foreign world. But that's sure. the other reason why I think it's just not going away anytime soon. Yeah, I, I would agree. Trish. Um, regulations Generally speaking, in my mind, are good if it is uh, defining what shouldn't a new technology do, not do, rather than what it should do. Okay. You know, we, the, yeah. we are most current most current uh, topic we have is uh, AI, ChatGPT, OpenAI. Yeah. If we don't have a regulation, it can create a difficulty. But yeah. it doesn't mean that technology itself is bad, right? You know, you can't just stop it. It's not going to, you can't control it. So if government regulation can define what shouldn't AI do, then we have a path. And yeah. then, then the technology can develop within that framework. Similarly, blockchain and cryptocurrency should have regulation. And regulation is good for industry most of the time. Yeah. Uh, and it increases the value of the industry and the players within that. Uh, and, but nice. US has, U.S. has somehow stayed away from regulating it the way other countries is trying. Uh, you'll see how it plays out. Federal, almost every Federal Reserve around the world has some 
experiment going on with digital currency. There yeah. are countries which have digital currency no. out there. No, hundred percent. China and India. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm with you. And, and I, and I, I mean, I, I guess the, the, the million dollar question is, you know, when does this happen? This is, is, is it during our lifetimes that, that this will happen or is, are we, you know, 50 years away from, from a, 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 a currency environment where there's automatic checks and balances that, you know, who's, you know, who, who wouldn't be for that? <laughs> You know, that kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. It, you know, it all depends on the Congress, right? Congress and, yeah. you know, are they together? Are they thinking about these issues yeah. that society will face in the future? And can they do something about it now? So I'm, I'm getting, I'm bumping up on time for you, for you, and I want to be sensitive to that. So I guess my, my last question for each one of you is what's the, what's the big takeaway for a business owner that's listening to this and you know what what kind of guidance would 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 you give them hmm. yeah. that's a good one so somebody that's looking to invest in cryptocurrency i would say do your research <laughs> okay and, yeah. and where's and where is that research where would we where would that person research this uh, there are a number of different sources out there for technical analysis. I think Glassnode is one of them. Okay. Um, you can do, uh, you can online, there's a lot of different podcasts and so forth that you can, you can start to even Coinbase, which is an exchange has a lot of really introductory one-on-one Okay. Videos and articles, but just so that you can become familiar with the complexities of the sector, because it is very high risk, and it is um, there are a lot of um, risky currencies out there, sure. the currencies out there that you want to be savvy. And if you do invest, at least from the research that I have done and what it seems to be a recurring piece of advice that I've heard over and over again is to have a strategy in place like dollar cost averaging. Something that okay. you're not being driven by your emotion, which is always a smart way to invest to not be driven by your emotions. So um, I think, you know, understanding the sector and like you said, Ed, when you started to dig in, you realize so many nuances that you and I am constantly every day. Um, so I think that, you know, it's not something you can dabble in. You really have to, you have to do a deep dive. Okay. Or work with an investor on your yeah. behalf. Yeah. No, no. Yeah. What I would say is, first of all, you have to have a technical know-how. You are dealing with compute, computing of something and you need a technical knowledge. So be, be aware of that. Uh, and then you have to understand this. This is a volatile industry. The value of Bitcoin has been significantly volatile. Um, every so often, and you know, last we saw it was over sixty thousand. It went down to fifteen thousand. That's huge. That doesn't happen in a normal industry. So we, you know, you have to be able to sleep with that. Uh, you should also be aware that it will take a lot of upfront cost. Meaning, if you are if the market is on a down, you don't want to sell your currency. Sure. You will have to incur the cost of running the computing power to mine the mine the currency, but you have no income. Yeah, uh, at least for that moment. 
And so you have to manage that cost. Okay. So all of that combined, if you're comfortable, yeah. you're receptive. I get it. <laughs> So, Nanesh, we'll, we'll we'll finish with you. So, where where can people find you? Of course, you can look up completeadvisors dot com, and you will find my number and name. And that's the place, huh? Yeah. All right. And Trish, how about you? Um, Anchor. BV as in business valuation, financial services.com. So anchorbvfs.com. All my information nice. is on there. Nice. Feel free to reach out. Well, guys, you have enlightened me. I, I'm, I'm sitting here going, well, I'm, I'm just trying to figure out what's my next step to, to learn more about this. I, I, but one thing I do know, never want to ever try to value, value <laughs> a, a Bitcoin yeah, very few businesses are uh, revenue so well. Very few businesses. Well, you know what? Yeah. And and I I I really like that um, I had the chance to visit with you know, with two pioneers that are that are out in front of this because I, I do know that you know that this is you're writing the book as you as you go and okay. you know you you may have the the valuation principles to fall back on. But nevertheless, you're you're going where no man or woman has gone before. So, um, <laughs> I, I, like that. And, Thank you. Well, I, and again, I appreciate your time, and and I'm certain the audience does too. So, thanks, thanks again for coming on. Thank you. Thank you for joining us today on the How to Sell Your Business podcast. If you want more episodes packed with strategies to help sell your business for the maximum value, visit howtosellabusinesspodcast.com for tips and best practices to make your exit life-changing. Better yet, subscribe now so you never miss future episodes. This program is copyrighted by MISO Inc. All rights reserved.